Hello and welcome to Bluebells Forever, a podcast with interviews of Bluebell dancers past and present. Join Sherry Lewis, a Bluebell herself, as she leads us on a journey through story and experience. And now here's Sherry. So I have the honor of having Diane Christensen as my guest today on Bluebells Forever. And Hi, thanks for doing this. Yeah, oh, I, I, uh, an honor. Yeah, and it's an honor <laughs> likewise for you because I once this started, I just found there's this whole world like you tend to just know the people in the show you're with. Yeah. And we even talked before we recorded, we did shows outside of Bluebell shows. If it was the Bahamas, right. you know, we'd work with Miller Reach, mm-hmm. that the, it gets more spread out and then we kind of lose each other. So part of the fun with the reunions and even the interviews is this kind of pulling us back, pulling the strings back into together and friends so are seeing a post. You're doing like, this. I'm it's so, so glad much you're fun. Keeping it alive. Yeah. We, and that's like, what, well, we're going to talk about what you're doing to keep it alive. Yeah. And yeah. even like when you post this, your friends may have never heard this part of your story or friends right. that you haven't seen for a while. will catch a photo of you in a costume they recognize yeah. like kind of Absolutely. it's been a nice way to reconnect friends I love it I, I love that you're doing this I love yeah that. I think yeah. we're all understanding especially with the Lido closing that these stories really matter and you know more of us are are uh, leaving this world <laughs> that we want to make sure the stories are told and you know all that goes with losing these beautiful people that man is it just a, a, yeah this and still we loved and I, I got a call this morning from an old dancer friend from Vegas, just out of the blue, just out really? of the blue. Just want to say hi. I haven't talked to you. <gasps> I had coached, I had coached his son, who was a young actor in LA um, when he moved here from Vegas. And he just wanted to touch base and say hi and make sure that, you know, he we know he knows we're we're still in touch and thinking of, of each other. And it's so nice to have that camaraderie last a lifetime, yeah. literally. Oh it lasts a lifetime yeah and some of the people I've interviewed that I've interviewed friends together too that you it's different than nine to five at a at a because a lot of us did those jobs after but you go and do your thing maybe you have lunch together but it's not like being in a dressing room for hours (laughs) going through rehearsal process which can bond or tear apart Uh, a lot of us travel together it's a it's deeper because we also had left our families behind it's different than going to work and coming back to your regular people That's we really right. did bond over this need to have our own community that that uh, is your and, and new, we were new family in a great era we were you and i were in a wonderful era i mean the 70s were a fun charming time to be in paris even though we worked seven days a week um, <laughs> and it was a charming time to be in vegas um you know the 70s were special vegas was still a small town you could get from one end of the strip to the other in 10 minutes and that wow. doesn't happen anymore, as you know. <gasps> yeah. As you know, you remember. I was so. there in 79. Mm-hmm. I kind of was at the tail end after the Rosenthal, after the mob came down, it's right before it turned corporate. Me too. So those stories are different at both ends of yes. the vague yes. with the showgirl starting and then what it turned into. So the people that got to yeah. see that transition. So I want to ask you because you have, <laughs> you have a book coming out. And so I, I first want to ask like, why, like what motivated you to take to the time my- and effort, effort to do this? Believe it or not, I started, I wanted to write about our dancing days after the first Lido reunion in Vegas. Did you go to that one? I didn't, but that, yeah, those reunions uh, definitely stir up. the Luann, Luann brought, I think 700 people. 
to that first reunion. And I, of course I went to the one in, in Paris too, but after the reunion, I thought, this is fading away. There is not much left. And I want to tell a story. I want this story. And of course, being in my industry, which is, you know, show business in, in LA, um, I, I would like to see it become a movie before my dying day. So I started writing this book 15 years ago. But in the last year, when I knew the Lido was closing, I got into two writing classes and I just wrapped it up. I thought, really? this is the year I finished this book. And interestingly, all over the years, I would take a, a writing class here and a writing class here, and I would start to form my, my voice as a writer. And then I found my voice in these two classes this year, wrapping up my book. I found that older woman looking back and that young, innocent voice. So there are two voices in my book. There's the young me coming of age, and yeah. there's the older me looking back. So the last real showgirl, a show and tell all, really has it all. I mean, it's the early 70s. I'm a teenager desperate to get out of Illinois and 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 into the world of sex and drugs and kickball change. <laughs> and on my way to becoming a rockette, I, got, I took a side trip to Montreal and was introduced to the wonderful world of French cabaret. And that's where it really happened for me from the crusty breads and, and opium dens of Paris to the exotic island life of the Caribbean to the flashy flourishing Las Vegas Strip. And along the way, I share my authentic story and I tell my own secrets and I share lots of celebrity secrets. Oh, yay. And some of my sexy interactions with them on an international scale. So it's oh, a juicy wow. book. It's juicy. It's <laughs> oh, not just about can... dancing. It's about a life. Yeah. It's about growing up. So when you were processing this, did you just start like just writing random and I'm going to put this together later? Or were you kind of sequential? You know, like what started... helps your memory? That's a good question. No, I remember because I started thinking, oh, I'm just going to write the stories of the 70s. I'm going to write about the 70s. So I would do a random story here and I'd do a random story here. And that kind of went on for a long time until I got into my first writing class. And in my writing class, my teacher gave us prompts and the prompts had to do with our foundation and our childhood and our, you know, our fundamental uh, development. So as I started digging deep, I realized that I'd been playing it very safe in what I had written in our stories. And that isn't really, I've been convinced by both writing teachers that that's really not what people want to hear. People want to know what happened. They want to know the ups and the downs. They want to know, mm -hmm. you know, the secrets and the, the things that we don't usually tell. And I, being an acting coach, I know that if one is not in touch and real about their own story, they're never going to be an honest actor, that's for sure. And they're certainly not going to be an honest writer. So it was in, it was a process. I actually got stuck because there were stories I didn't want to tell. I got stuck at about 12 years old when I was writing about my childhood because there were just things I didn't want to share. Um, but then when I did tell the story, then I, those stories, then I found my voice then I could tell a real story oh. that was truthful and meaningful and relatable. You know, and I think uh, that yeah. that's the thing is we were real young women forging a career 
and going through all the ups and downs that that requires. And in those times, you know, we're pretty young and innocent. We don't know how to navigate those waters. Mm -hmm. It's hit and miss. And some of us are smart and grounded, which I, I will say, I think most dancers were pretty smart people. Yeah. You know, they were, they were smart enough to get themselves into a professional career that, that was a coveted career. Um, So even even for us smart gals and guys you know there were still some some waters to to tread and some lessons to learn so i'm i'm writing about all of it all of it i have that's so good it just makes me go two ways with my brain too because when you talk about a movie i have alana um i have to say her name wrong so i'm not gonna say her last name till i look it up this she she has pictures of her with Dan Tana on on the on the show Vegas. Do you remember right. that show? I That's why I moved to Vegas. Okay. Oh, really? Were you in no. the Dunes show? No, I was at the Lido when I was on the show. Oh, I was really? an actor, so I was always an actress too. So okay. I had an agent, and I I did it all in Vegas. And I think that I booked more consistent work as an actor in Vegas than I did when I moved to LA to be on The Young and the Restless. So I really um, I really had my my plate full in vegas working six nights a week at the lido and i was literally i literally had three commercials on tv at once at one point so i worked all the time i was in a major motion picture once or twice a year that was shooting in vegas i had a really good agent i was you know i was with joseph bernard um who was an acting teacher from uh, new york from the actor studio so i was you know i was really dedicated I was dedicated. I was I was between shows, running scenes and running lines with actors who were in acting class with me. So that was my first love. Dancing I did because I was young and I loved it. But yeah. my first love was always acting. So yes, I see this as being, a, I've read two chapters to a few of our dancer friends, yeah, including my best friend, Barbara Beverly. And they are like, I, uh, this is a movie. This is a series. And I'm writing it very cinematically. Yeah. So, you know, it's like opening shots and cold opens. And it's written almost not like a script, but it feels like a story that you want to follow. You want to see what happens. There are cliffhangers at the end of each chapter. Which makes sense. It's from an acting coach. Like there's there's a couple of things. Because I know how the showgirls are portrayed, especially 70s and 80s. You know, they might have the glamour in their there's some scene of some crime thing in the theater and the showgirls are running or I won't watch the movie showgirls, no matter what. I just think they're either portrayed without much soul or brains. And, and, and I'll, and I just feel like there's so much more to a story if it's done well, instead of just the, the eye candy or yes. the, the arm, the, you know, who's on the arm of the mob boss, whatever, or the yes. celebrity is how it was portrayed. So to see it done with some depth, would be amazing. Well, that was one of my inspirations too. When Showgirls was so bad and yet his book, Hollywood Animal was one of the best books I've ever read about Hollywood. So yeah, he inspired me. He wrote both of those among other things. He was the hottest, you know, screenwriter in, in, in LA at one time. So both of those things inspired me too. Yeah. Wow. Both of yeah. His, both of his, both of his movies. So um, I wanted to tell the story truthfully. Yeah. As a real just, human. Yeah. What it was really like. And I have to say, 
the the end of my career, which was 79, 80, and 81 in Vegas was just magical. It was a magical time. We, we I don't know, it's almost like the universe brought all these like-minded individuals into one show and we loved each other. Mm. We just, everybody got along so well. We had so much fun and we enjoyed ourselves so much and um, forged relationships that still exist. In fact, I we lost one of our dearest, dearest from that time, which is Vimy Kruger a couple of weeks ago. And Vimy was my dance partner in the show. And he was a photographer that shot everybody's headshots and their lifestyle shoots, their modeling shots. He was brilliant. And I was his makeup artist. So we worked together on multiple levels and we were just closest, closest friends. And we moved to LA just about the same time. So losing Vimy was a hard one. Yeah. It was a difficult one. Yeah. But we yeah, that age. Right. yeah, that's the reality is setting in. Well, yeah. I want to get into your, you know, because you just talked about like what, how we grew up matters because a lot of us yeah. that we sat next to each other in the dressing room and knew what was going on now, but a lot of times people hear each other's interview and go, I didn't know that about you. Or just hearing someone like myself, I was super conservative Christian. So I was in, in conflict with myself, you know, so now giving myself grace, like you said, you and you've got two voices in the book. Yeah. My self now is giving grace to my younger self and hearing Good. what people, what people got through to get to the audition, people that Absolutely. were 15 getting on a bus going to New York. <laughs> Like, so there's all these backstories, which make the story of getting there so much richer instead of like, I had all the solos in my recitals and I went to Vegas or I went to New York or I was a rocket without any, Mm -hmm. like the the wherewithal that what made us stick with it, the rejection that we put up with. There's so much more, I think, richness in the story when you know what it's layered on top of like, what, what made you leave your, your home? What made you Right. Go against what people were saying you should do, or, you know, people have physical ailments or there was just so many things that I, I'd love every interview because like, what, what got you there? It wasn't just, uh, you know, just determination. I think there's so many other things that make our stories way like, that's why I love that you are writing. You're, you are, yeah. you know how to work with actors. There's so much more yeah. backstory yeah. that maybe doesn't get put on the stage or on the screen, but it's right. the backstory that makes people interesting right 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 it's true and um i I think that's also a a process it's a journey i i knew by the time i was 12 that i wanted to be an actor and i remember making a formal announcement to the family (laughs) sunday (laughs) dinner i took a stand i had four younger brothers and my parents of course and I, i i made an announcement and they just looked at me like that was insane i'm gonna be leaving when i'm 18 to be an actress i just want to let you know and they're all like, <laughs> sit down. And from that, from that decision on, I started, I started trying to figure out how to make that happen. So it started really young. And part of that was I grew up in with very, very young parents. They had, I was the oldest of five kids and they had me at 18. Mm. And my dad was an all-state basketball player for Illinois that year, the year I was born. And he had 36 college offers, including UCLA. I mean, they all came to recruit him and his, he had a pregnant 
girlfriend who was a cheerleader from a rival school. And his parents said, no, you can't take a pregnant wife to college to play basketball. You stay here, you work with dad's business, and you just live with us. And they did. And I think that I grew up with that probably subconscious, Mm -hmm. unfulfilled dream of my dad's. And because my parents were so young and had five kids by the time they were 28, um, there was a lot of chaos. I mean, a, a large household with a lot of boys like that is, is chaotic. And I didn't want to be in that environment. I knew that by 12. I wanted my own life. I wanted my life and show business. And I made an announcement and I was going to make it happen. And I didn't start dance classes until I was 13, Sherry. Really? Oh, wow. So... When I started, it was because I had babysitting money to start. I had my, I, that was the only way it was going to happen. So I started dancing and I fortunately wound up in all the community theaters. I wound up in a Shakespearean company at 12. I wound up doing musicals and, and dancing in, you know, local community theaters. And my dance teachers were the choreographers and they had connections in New York they had connections in Montreal, in the Bahamas, all over the world. They had a they had a big connection with the Roots dancers and with Russell Marquardt, who was the create, founder of the Rockettes. And so, I decided when I started dancing with them that I was going to become a really good tapper by the time I graduated, and I was going to be a Rockette. Wow! And at seventeen, my mentor took one of my best dance friends and I to New York for a semi-private audition with Russell Marquardt and um, Emily Sherman, the original choreographer of the Rockettes. Wow. So that's unheard of. Usually they're huge group auditions. Yeah. Um, and now I have a student who's a Rockette, uh, an acting student. Actually, I sent her to Fluff before um, they closed in Vegas to audition as a principal dancer. And she, she loved her. She wanted her, but she wanted to go do her audition for the Rockettes and she did, and she was accepted. So I had lunch with her in, in New York about five years ago. And I said, how many shows do you do? Because when I was a Rockette, you did six shows, so, um, four shows a day, seven days a week. A show at 10, three, six, and 10. And she said, I do uh, two shows a day, four days a week. I said, so it's a part-time job now. And she said, it's a part-time job for everyone. Yeah. Really? No one does what they used to do. And of course there are more people to choose from. And um, now they're only doing this Christmas spectacular. That's it. Really? So even the Rockettes have been diminished to only the Christmas spectacular. Yeah. Wow. Christmas. That kind of, that's where you see that this, this world is, is getting squished down. Well, we're in a media saturated environment now, and we have people with theme park consciousness. You have to remember what 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 entertains the young people, all people now is like the level of Cirque du Soleil, um, which is beyond what we did. Um, I'm not saying it's better, but yeah. there's a different mentality for entertainment. And it's it's just our 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 what we did cabaret is 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 pretty much complete except the Moulin Rouge, yeah, which had its lift after the movie. That yeah definitely helped matters. There's a few more in Paris. I've been learning of other ones. Crazy too. Horse, 
Crazy, Crazy Horses don't Paradila ton, but I think, mm-hmm. and then Royal Palace, but I think Nouveau Love, I don't know if it's coming back. That's been there forever. So COVID definitely, it, you know, it took hurried toll. up yeah. some of these that may have made it longer. Yeah. So, so when you're you at, tw- well, go ahead. Oh, no, go ahead. Go ahead. What do you say? I was just going to ask you, did you see the show uh, in Paris when you went to Paris? I did. Had I you saw- seen it in the seventies? I've only seen videos. The first time I went to Paris was about four or five years ago because I wanted to know, because when Jubilee and Vegas closed, I just had this desire to go see what was still there. I don't know. It was like really strong. And so I saw the Moulin. I didn't see the Lido that trip, which is so bizarre, but it's now I'm watching all these videos, but I wish, you know, when we, when we really were in that peak of these shows where, Mm -hmm. how many, so many of us were just getting sent to all kinds of wonderful places. Like, where do you want to go next? I know. So I want to ask about you at 12, because you decide you're going to dance and be an actor. Were you doing both at the same time? And was, were you kind of thinking one would enhance the other, or these are just two different loves and art forms? I was, I loved both. Acting's my first love. Um, But what I saw was a ticket out of town. I saw yeah. that my mentors were more connected to the industry via dance. Um, they had been sort of a, a, a Ginger Rogers, Fred Astaire duo in their day. So in their heyday, that they were they were like a Fred and Ginger in New York, Mary Lou and, and Larry Denhart. And um, I saw that as the the opportunity out mm-hmm. of yeah. the, the hometown and the chaos and where yeah. I want to be and the, you know, the oppression of a small town. So I did everything I could there. I won a scholarship for acting in my senior year. And my dad said, if you, if you win a scholarship, I'll match it. So you can go to New York and audition for the Rockettes. Wow. And he did, he did. And so he paid for that trip and um, made sure I had that opportunity. So wow. it did happen that way. It did happen and I never, ever stopped acting. I started, when when I started working as a dancer, which at 18, I always worked as an actress. Wherever I was, I would do commercials or whatever, whatever I could do. That's the amazing thing of, of all these stories. If you do two shows at night, you still have the day hours where things are being filmed and people were dancing Absolutely. in fashion shows or modeling or acting and just made it where you have the steady. Too. You're not doing the starving artist where you have to, work no. to pay your apartment then you have no longer no longer can train you get to be all. have that uh, and then access to so much talent so you took that yeah. did you take that job at 17 as Rockets? that was your first professional I was accepted I was accepted um I th- it was April of my senior year we went to audition and he hired both of us um to be summer replacements because he said mm-hmm. girls usually left in the summer so we were on call from um June 1st to whenever we got a call and Karen got a call. Karen was an exquisite tapper. I mean, she was just one of the best tappers I've ever known. She did get called first. She got called probably in August. And then um, we were just waiting for the next opening, waiting for someone to leave. And by January, no one had left. And I was in touch with Karen. So I knew what was going on with the Rockettes uh, and there, there wasn't an opening and I was losing patience. Yeah. Got to go. I got things to do. (laughs) I said to my mentor, 
can I do another audition somewhere? She said, well, let me check with the rudest dancers because she also trained acrobats and the rudest dancers were known for their acrobats. Of course they had dancers and showgirls too. And she said, he has three shows. He's got the brand new show at the Caf Conk at the Chateau Champlain in Montreal. That's where I worked. Did you work there? I did. Yeah. That was uh, Miller Reich. Oh, Miller Reich was there then. Puerto Rico. First year it opened, 1970. Are you? Oh, I love that theater. Love that city. Love that hotel. Loved everything about that place. I loved everything about it too. Plus there was a night off. Yeah. (laughs) We had Sundays off. Did Um, you have three shows on Saturday? Because that's what we had. I don't know how they were still doing those three show Saturdays. Back then? Yes, we did. We did. Just like Vegas. Yeah. yeah. And Paris. And Paris. Um, what was your audition for them? Was it in Montreal or with Rudis? My mentor sent a package. She sent my photos, my resume. She pitched me to to Tibor Rudis. And she said she was accepted into the Rockettes. She's waiting for an opening and she's ready to go. And he hired me. On their recommendation. Oh, that's amazing. Here's the thing. Once you've been accepted to the Rockettes. Yep. (laughs) Right. I I only auditioned once all the years after that. Wow. And that was for Jerry Jackson at the, at the Folly, at the Follies Berger at the Tropicana. That's the only other audition I ever gave after the uh, Rockette audition. And I know it's because I was accepted into the Rockettes. So I went to Montreal to work at 18. Really? I left, I left in January 1970. And you know, see, no, no, I left in January. September. It was March. I left in March 1970 and went to Montreal to work for the Rudest Dancers. How was and that being then, 18? You're out of the country. It's it's different culture. Like Montreal does oh, feel like you are in France. Even Montreal is culturally different. Yeah. But it was yeah. a really wonderful time to be there. 1970, yeah. you know, Woodstock had just happened. And it was a beautiful city and um, it was a gorgeous hotel, brand new. Everything was new, new, new. This was the second show. I came into the second show that Rudis um, did at the Calf Conk. Um, and I came into the tail end of the old show, actually, the first show. Mm-hmm. And he was getting ready for a new one. And he was also getting ready for a new one on Paradise Island in the Bahamas. I remember seeing those shows too. Wow. There yeah. were so many things. Casino de Paris. That's really- that was a big show. That yeah. Was a big show. Um, and then he also had, he also had uh, his dancers at uh, the Follies, Berger at Tropicana. Really? So Rudis had his hand in three shows at the time. Okay. So um, he hired me to come to Montreal. I worked in Montreal. Um, I was a covered dancer. I was a, you know, I was a, 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 I was not a nude. And um, I had an, well, I don't want to give away everything in the book. Right, right. The safe That's something. a huge <laughs> transition. That was a huge transition for me. I, I got hurt. I had a pulled hamstring from those can-cans or those back yeah. bend kicks. Yeah, I mean, the cancans were intense at the at the calf conk, and um, I got hurt. And they said, "Well, then I, we want you to be a nude." And I was one of the tallest girls in the show. And he said, "I want the taller girls to be nudes." Well, I through through blood, sweat, and tears, I finally agreed, even though my mentor said, "Don't don't take your clothes off." Oh, really? You'll, you'll stop growing as a dancer. 
But as it turned out, and there's a whole story that goes with that that's in the book, um, I really loved being a nude from that once I got used to it because he sent me to the Bahamas. And when he sent me to the Bahamas, I resisted because I loved Montreal so much. Mm. You were there, you know, Mm -hmm. um, how wonderful it was. It was a wonderful city. And I had so many good friends and it was just wonderful. I was happy. Um, But I I resisted. I went kicking and screaming to his new show to the Bahamas because they were all taller and it was a bigger show. And he wanted his tallest dancers there because he had just hired Pearl Ho, who was the new principal and she was tiny. She was a tiny Japanese dancer, beautiful dancer, but she was tiny and he didn't want giants around. Uh, So he sent the tall girls to the Bahamas. Really? And I was one of them. And that's where I met my best friend, Barbara Beverly. She was the first person I met. Oh, really? Oh, wow. Yeah. We met in the Bahamas. So did they put you guys up in hotels? Cause like now that's, wait, that's not NASA. Is that NASA? It was NASA. NASA. Was I remember Nassau. seeing the show. That was when it was Jerry Jackson. I think it had oh, switched yeah. over by the time I, I saw it in the eighties. Okay. Okay. But we yeah, used to port show- in NASA and then there's places in NASA. You'd be super, super careful. We had a lot of scary things happen with our girls and our cast in NASA. And there's parts that they take the tourists and there's other places that you don't go by yourself, but were yeah. you, did you live That's by changed. the hotel? Yeah. Well, he had, Rudis had, um, trailers four bedroom trailers he had a a a lot of them on paradise island just it was like a a, an acre lot and on the beach about maybe half an acre and he had about six four bedroom trailers for the girls to rent really oh my gosh Mm -hmm. (laughs) but when barbara and i arrived they were still doing the old show and they were bringing in new people for the new show so they didn't have any rooms in the trailers left, which were pretty transitional places to live. Okay. So he put us up in the Britannia Beach Hotel. Ooh. And guess who lived right upstairs from us? Is Howard so- Hughes. Oh my gosh. <laughs> Howard Hughes. Wow. <laughs> there are stories of- And you're just what, like 18, 19? This is the beginning was, of your career. I was, I was 19. Barbara was 20. Living below the Howard Hughes. like, you get to stay in the Britannia Beach Hotel? And we were like, I guess so. Wow. So we were very fortunate. Um, we were very lucky. Barbara and I create lots of luck together. Mm. <laughs> We've noticed that <laughs> over the years. We've just, we must have good guardian angels or something. Yeah. So, um, yeah, so we we um, embarked on a brand new show with a lot of high tech and, and uh, visionary things that the Tibor Rudis had created like the magic screen he created the magic screen i don't know if you've ever seen one i've been here i've been hearing his name more and i've been looking up more videos and learning more and more things more videos are showing up on the social media of things that i i didn't know all of a sudden there's things that that people are finding archived somewhere that are really fun to say that's what it was like back then it wasn't giant sets and so for you doing these shows were you like because leaving montreal was hard but was it also like, what's next? Were you kind of going for the travel part of it or what was a better opportunity for maybe, were you going still for acting or you're doing it while I you're still, doing things? I still did modeling and acting the whole time I was a dancer. Yeah, I did a, I did a commercial in Montreal for Cache Perfume. I did one for ExxonMobil while I was in the Bahamas. You know, I was always finding ways and it wasn't hard for dancers because that's where they came. 
when they wanted pretty girls in a commercial. They would yeah. come to the show. They would come to the line captains. They you have so it was pretty easy. It was pretty wow. easy, and it was nice extra money. Um, and there were modeling jobs all the time. There was fashion going on, but the island was not commercial yet. It was 1970. Yeah. It was yeah. very exclusive. So I'm giving away a lot of the book right now, but we had a lot of celebrities in the audience often like Mick Jagger and Bianca. And, you know, it was very celebrity studded. It was very elegant. We were not allowed to go through the front door of the casino without a gown. Wow. Were the cruise ships coming in yet? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I was on the cruise ships in 82 and yeah. that was a Norwegian. I think a lot of the big ships, that was one of the destinations. I remember they would take them on a bus and take show. them over to see the show. Oh, that yeah. was- I think the ships came in on Mondays and um, yeah, we had shows because the, the ships were in. That's why we were off on Sundays because of the cruise ships coming in on Monday. So we had to make sure there were do shows on Monday night. Yeah. And I remember some of the girls leaving the show um, to go work on the cruise ships for six months with six, six month contracts. That was, yeah. that was yeah. not uncommon. That was not uncommon to go out on the high seas for, for six months. Um, and yeah, a lot of dancers did that because they had the same kind of tits and feather shows on the ships back then. Yeah, those have definitely changed over the years. Yeah. And also when you're working with people, you always have people in the cast that have worked other shows. So that was, a, that's how I always found out what else there was. Oh, yeah. Somebody go, oh, I yeah, love yeah. working for this producer or, yeah. you know, you just, it just opens up this world once you get your first one and then you starting out getting hired for the Rockettes, you've got a yeah. good leg up there. Yeah. So what did yeah, you do yeah. after the Bahamas? Were you, and also were you feeling done with that or? I... I left, there's a long story in between, but I actually left to be a stand-up comedian in Washington, DC. Oh my gosh. I started <laughs> doing stand-up in the Bahamas. Um, oh, it's, there's, there's, there's just so many twists and turns. So I did that and then I, I went to Vegas because things didn't work out in DC. On one hand, there was a boyfriend involved and on the other hand was his manager. And the boyfriend was with someone very famous, Clint Holmes. And um, who's still an icon in Vegas and and Palm Springs and around, and um, I, things just didn't work out for me the, for me in DC with them. So I went to Vegas because I remember we used to write letters. <laughs> yeah, those days? I remember those. <laughs> remember those days? How the way we stayed in touch with our friends and our dancer yeah. friends, our international friends, were were by keeping in keeping in touch and not losing someone. Yeah. I mean, it was, it was hard with the gypsies to not lose. Yeah. You couldn't afford a phone call for, especially when you're have your friends right. all over the world, you have to That's wait right. for that letter right. for weeks. That's right. And there was, I remember Barbara and I, and that's how you forged lifetime friendships by, by corresponding. Yeah. So I had been in touch with one of the girls from Montreal, Carolee McSwain, and she was working at the Tropicana and she said, Jerry Jackson's looking for, for to audition people. And um, she said, there's a new show. So why don't you come on out? You can stay with me. I live right near the trop. We can walk. It was such a small town back then. It was really tiny in 1970 in Vegas. And um, I came out and auditioned for Jerry Jackson. And he accepted me. And of course, Rudis said, uh, yes, hire her. So 
he said, I'm hiring you as a swing girl. Really? I've heard Jerry yeah. Jackson's the hard one to audition for. Maybe he just. It was very so it was, hard. It was very balletic. Okay. And he knows he's very specific of what he wants. I've heard he's a. Um, and I said, he said to me, how much ballet have you had? I said, as little as possible. <laughs> he, said, <laughs> I, he said, I can tell, but I really like you. And Mr. Rudis loves you. So I said, well, great. And he said, so I'd like you to be my swing nude for oh, the wow. new show. So that was my first offer to be swing in the three weeks between that audition and the, the new show going into rehearsals at the trop half the cast and I, because I started dating a boy in the show, one of the few straight boys in the show who was probably dating everyone uh, got mono. Everybody got mono. <laughs> and oh. I, wound up with mono for three months in fact oh. a lot of people did not go into that show or or really they were out they were out oh oh so that was a detour that was yeah a, I, I derailed from that job and i loved the tropicana show the tropicana in 1971 at that point i believe it was 1971 was the tiffany of the strip it had the big yeah. fountains outside. It was gorgeous. It was just, and the showroom was beautiful. And the, the, the dancers, the nudes were iconic. They were all tanned and curvy and, you know, they had their yeah, there's a different lipstick. Look. It was a different vibe. And those, I wanted to be in that show. I thought that show was the most elegant of all. And so I felt really lucky to have been hired, but then I felt really unlucky to have mono for three months. I oh my gosh. Illinois. I went back to Illinois after a month of it and of not even being able to travel. I was so sick. And um, yeah, I went back to home, went back home to recover. And I wound up at the end of that recovery calling Mr. Rudis. Mr. Rudis, I'm back in shape. I'm, I'm over having mono think I could go back to the Tropicana and he said oh they had to hire so many new people with so many people that were out for with the mono there's there's nothing open now he said but I do have a spot in the Bahamas open I said oh my old job (laughs) I said will I still be featured and he goes well I gave that role because I was a featured dancer in that show um, I had a Jean Harlow spot that was uh, lip sync that was really fun, really, really fun. And um, he said, no, but you could be one of the four nudes. And so I took the job, went back to the Bahamas. And it was the same show. So you, same how was show. that coming back and coming into, into a different spot? I think that when you've been as sick as I was for those three months, and had lost an opportunity both in, 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 in DC and in Vegas um, because of that illness primarily um, that I was just really grateful. Yeah. I was really grateful to get back to work and being home for two months was not what I wanted to do. Mm-mm. Once you've been out in that life, it's so hard to go back home, it's especially hard. under your parents' roof. Uh, it really was so I was really ready and I was really grateful and I went back and I met my first husband so oh really is he was he in show business or he was he was he was an entertainer um and I met him backstage um and he was performing in the lounge and he was there for two months and um of course we were in the main room the big showroom in the casino casino de paradis 
And I was back with Barb and, you know, we were living in the same apartment complex again. And it was, you know, it was good. It was a good life. It was a good life. I was really grateful. And I'm really glad I went back because I fell in love. Yeah. So did you end up leaving with him or without? Because that's a hard choice sometimes. Like, do I stop? It was a really hard choice. I'd only been back about nine months. It was a very hard choice. And yet I didn't want to be in the Bahamas anymore. The Bahamas was beautiful. I mean, obviously, but back then there was really nothing going on. It was pretty much the show was your life and the show people were your life because there was a lot of, you know, as wonderful as the Bahamian people were, and they really were sweet people. Um, And there wasn't, it wasn't crime infested like now. Um, And it wasn't commercial. Yeah. But it was boring. (laughs) (laughs) And if you didn't find someone, you know, you really, it was, it was lonely. It was because everybody sort of, all the girls said, find a boyfriend, find a boyfriend, find a boyfriend. And I always thought the croupiers were too short for me. (laughs) (laughs) And so I wound up with an American entertainer. Oh, really? That's awesome. Yeah. I left with him. You left with him. Where did you go with him? I went on tour with him for a year. With his act? Uh Uh-huh. Oh, really? I went on tour with him. Yeah, it was, uh, that was another big learning experience. And I think mostly learning about who I was. And I didn't like being a kept woman. I wanted to, I wanted to perform. I needed a creative outlet. That's what I was wondering if you put, if you had such drive, that must've been really hard. It was very hard. To shelf that for a while. It was very hard. Uh, it turned into it turned into us breaking up, and me staying in Atlanta, becoming a Playboy Bunny. Oh my gosh! <laughs> oh, Rockette, Playboy Bunny. Yeah, and just for a few months, and then Barbara wrote and said, "Miss Bluebell's looking for nudes in Paris." Barbara was at that at that point the principal yeah. dancer at the Lido in Paris. Oh my gosh. What show was that? I'm trying to put a, a there were time. two different shows a night. We did two different shows a night. Really? Um, mm-hmm. And three on Saturday, of course, and seven nights a week. So I'm trying I, to remember the, the name of both shows. It, and there's, is that same, right? There's same magique, same magnifique. I get those mixed up. Mm-hmm. I kind of, I can get about five of them in order and then I go back further and I can't remember the names no, no, of them. It was, um, uh, uh, that's not Ali Lido. Is that Ali Lido? No, no, no. I was in Ali Lido in Vegas. That was late seventies. Okay. It was early seventies. It was 73. And I think one of the shows was called Grand Prix. I've seen posters for that one. Yeah. Yeah. And the other one, I don't remember the name of the other one. I do, but I don't remember it right now. I'd have to look it up, but we did two different shows a night. So, Is that good? Cause it, cause it make, you don't get bored, but does that like costumes no, are bored. totally preset different and swing girl. I oh man. You're swinging two different shows. Well, two different shows a night. Yeah. And you're swinging and- both of them. Uh, that's I think I I think I grew the most Sherry as a dancer when I was a swing I bet yeah I think that at first the hard thing about that and I've written quite a bit about it and probably my biggest costume faux pas was being a swing nude 
and having to wear, because everybody would go on holiday for like a month or six weeks at a time, because you had no nights off. It yeah. was, you know, seven nights a week. So when people did take time off, it was a month or two um, to go on holiday. And when I would swing for someone, it would usually be for about a month. And, you know, the dressers didn't speak English, most of them. They did not want to be bothered adjusting costumes. They had a lot to do to keep the costumes fresh and, you know, yeah. beautiful. And they were gorgeous. But I remember having to wear things that did not fit me at all. And I would even pay the dressers a little, you know, I give them 10 francs or something, please adjust this. And the ones that did, I would tip regularly, but um, some wouldn't be bothered. And so I was wearing shoes that were too tight or a headdress oh. that did not fit. In fact, the worst faux pas was wearing this big seahorse head. I'm going to send you a picture of that. Oh, yes, I want to see that. It was an underwater fantasy um, Atlantis number and beautiful costumes. I mean, really gorgeous. But this seahorse head had flaps that were made to fit a certain over your nose, over the bridge of your nose and around your eyes. So you could see out the eyes and it never fit. And I, I would wind up on stage every night with these flaps in my eyes, stuck, can't move, can't see a thing oh. and being dragged off stage by a, one of my roommates or by, you know, one of the bluebells. <laughs> was, oh my uh, gosh. There's a lot crazy. of other things to crash into besides dancers too. I'm thinking, oh, hearing yeah. stories of floors that open up and new oh. things. <laughs> All kinds of hydraulics. But, yeah, that's a, to not be able to see. That sounds horrifying. And and it happened more than once. So Miss Bluebell would come backstage. What's the problem? <laughs> <laughs> I'm scratched and I'm bleeding and my eyes are oh. poked and I'm you know. So um, I think after the first three or four months, I think I did swing for three or four different people, and then I got my own spot. You did. Okay. Yeah. I got in each show? show in, in the show and, and yeah. Oh yeah. Because if, if you had a spot in the show, you learned both shows, you know, you had one spot in both shows. Of course, both if you're swing, you learn everything. Right. But, um, I've yeah, heard of them yeah. doing the show. Like if there's a new show coming in, the uh -huh. old show's still running mm -hmm. and they're rehearsing one and then they'll do a late show in a early show different, but then it would usually right. fade out phase out yeah. the older show is that what this was too or were they really doing that's what two? Was, that what was happening but they did it for a long long time really they wow. did it for a long time because barbara was the principal dancer she was my roommate of course and um i remember barbara i think barbara did that show for something like seven years and wow. they, they did the two shows really because i thought it was time. just like a few months that that i mean it seems like it'll be fun to have to you know to switch it up instead of Sometimes like, wait, did I already do this number? Where are we? Because you just did it. I know doing the third show when we would do three in Montreal would be like, did I, did I do this? Like your brain can, because, but if you, you have to be like, where, where am I? Which kick am I on? But two different ones. That seems like it would be challenging and good to keep it fresh. Especially fresher. if you have to wear all those, somebody else's costumes. Yeah. I've heard stories of swings, having things that were falling off of them too big, too small. The small shoe thing sounds being a dance, I mean, for normal people, that's awful, but for dancers, that's, that's horrible. But some really cool things happened too, um, in Paris, really wonderful things, even though we worked seven nights a week. Um, Vest and Clark were the stars of the show, Buddy Vest and Sterling Clark. 
They were so dynamic and so adorable and so fun to work with. Buddy Vest is probably one of the best dancers I've ever met in my life. And Bar Barbara, he did, he did a number with three principals, three principal girls. And um, it was a disco number. And it was really, really fun. It was my favorite number in the show. And one night, Barbara, who shared a, a, a dressing room with Christine, one of the other principals, Christine was having neck issues, really bad neck issues. And this number was all, you know, heads and, yeah. and rolls, you know, how the 60s and 70s yeah. were. And um, Barbara said, you know, if you ever need a break, Diane's the swing for the nudes. She could do this number for you because that's her thing. Disco is her thing. She loves it. And she's really good at it. And Christine came and asked me if I would, if I would just do that number every now and then for her. And I was like, oh. Heaven. <laughs> Thank you, Angel. You're back. Oh, and I it. actually got to swing for that principal spot um, ever, a, a lot. And uh, I think the, the beauty was that I got to dance with my best friend and with Buddy Vest. It was, and it was my favorite kind of dancing. It was just oh, how fun. It was oh. really fun. So some good things happened. Yeah. Nice what else? There's... They were like gifts. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Cause I think that has to mix it up a little bit to keep, keep people staying longer. Yeah. yeah. But also I'm just thinking how different the lifestyle is in the Bahamas and Paris, you know, like the places you've been, really? it's not, it's not like we just go to another, like when people do tours where you wake up, which airport, which hotel, they all look the same. Yeah. This is definitely a shift in lifestyle to be, Right. Or it might be even kind of boring in the Bahamas. And what was your life? Because you're you're still very young in Paris, single, yeah, I was right? Only single one. I was only single 21. show girl dancer in Paris. Mm -hmm. What was your life like there? Um, were you also acting and modeling? And no, because I worked seven nights a week and I was oh, swinging. And yeah, it put a lot of lot of extra pressure on you especially when you're swinging, you know, 15, 16 numbers a night. Oh you know, man. Two different shows. Yeah. So it's a lot to constantly learn. And, you know, one month you're on this side of the stage, the next month you're on the other side of the stage. So that's why I say I really grew as a dancer. Um, but we did go to classes. Barbara and I went to classes all the time during the day, but either of us did modeling or acting in Paris. And then there was the language. And the Parisians were very economical when it came to helping you with the language at the time. They were very economical. That's changed because I've been back to Paris and they're, they're very helpful now because everybody's bilingual. But back then they weren't. So if you didn't speak the language, things were a little tougher. Unlike when I worked in Puerto Rico for Miller Reich, everybody spoke Spanglish. Yeah, yeah, everybody, everybody helped you because they both yeah. spoke, you know, English and, and Spanish. So you learn much quicker when people are helping you. Paris, that didn't happen. That didn't happen at all. But we did go to classes. We went to classes with Peter Goss, who was an amazing ballet teacher, um, international icon. And his classes had 100 people in them. It was a huge place at L'Opera. You know, you're in L'Opera taking, taking dance classes, which is this ancient building, ancient opera house. Yeah. It was pretty fascinating. And then we took, um, my favorite classes were with Victor Upshaw, who had been a Lido choreographer. And then when he, when he passed in the 80s, he had a show at 
the the Riviera, and it was called Crazy Crazy Girls. Oh yeah, and he had he had written it. He'd written the music. He did the choreography. He designed the costumes. I mean, he was brilliant. Victor Upshaw was really brilliant, and he was really fun to train with because he was. He would challenge everybody, but he would take the time to explain to each student exactly, you know, placement and, and, and helpful. He was so helpful. So that was the time I think I grew the most as a dancer in, in Paris. It, mm. but it's your whole life. Yeah. Life. And that becomes a burden. That becomes, if you're not involved with someone, and I lived with Barbara and two of the boys in the show in a big, you know, seven floor, seven floor walk up in Paris. We were all single. And, um, you know, disco was being born in 1973. So the underground clubs, and it was all pretty fascinating. So we had a lot of fun and we ate amazing food, but it, it's pretty much your whole life. It's yeah. hard to break out of that when you're, and Miss Bluebell liked for the girls to go to class. She liked it. She mm -hmm. encouraged it very much. You know, she wanted yeah, there's a, training. Yeah. So it is nice when you don't have true. to audition again, but also as you are in a place too long, then you're wondering, can I audition? Because you've been doing the same thing for so long. So if you're not taking class, you're not, the, 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 not the fear, but to audition again, it's not a given. That you're right. just, you know, tip top for the next or for a different choreographer is going to look for something different. So, you know, I know some people got in those shows and like never took class again, like I made it and they kept working. And for some, it's like, well, I want to work for this, but that means I got to get in class. So I have the brain capacity to audition or the style they're looking for, because I switched it up all the time. And so Joan yeah. Palethorpe, who was like Ronnie Lewis, was one choreographer, right. which is very different right. from Bluebell. So I think it, you know, it does. it. Yeah. It is. It keeps you sharp, but also it can be obsessive or be your whole life yeah. if you're it's dancing true. every night and taking class. And we're kind of like vampires. There's, you know, anybody you'd want to date is asleep when you're working. It's not easy. It's not easy. Yeah. And I, I took classes with Ronnie Lewis when I was in Vegas. I took classes with everybody in Vegas. Did you before, at backstage? Before mono. <laughs> oh I went to backstage. Gosh. I took ballet there. I took classes with Ronnie Lewis. I took, there used to be a place in, in 1971 called the barn. Do you, did you oh, ever I've never heard? Barn? No. It was literally an old barn off of Tropicana um, Drive or Avenue. And um, all the dance teachers taught there. It was a big old barn. It was really cool. It was really the place to go. And, and backstage was there too. That dance studio was there. I think Miss Elise was teaching ballet. Yeah. For years. I got there in 79. I thought she was old then. People <laughs> go, yeah. So they go, she no, was. she was old before that. So she I remember was her in 71. Really? Yeah. Uh -huh. I don't know if it was like, because I know in, I was in Hello Hollywood, Hello in Reno, where yeah. the, the dance classes, and it was like Vegas, because there were so many great people in the shows that were teaching. Yeah. So you're getting great teachers, but you're getting great teachers right. from all over the world, like people in your own cast, like right. you're getting people that trained in England, people that. That's right. So I just felt like I never topped it. I love classes in New York. I love, I like LA. Oh, okay. I but I just think of those Reno Vegas times of people that were just doing a show every night, but still hungry. There was always classes. Yeah. Like we had classes in between shows in Reno because yeah, yeah, we're, yeah. and people would just never get enough of it. I know. Especially I know. you leave your small town and you get exposed to these things and like, wow, it's just it's I endless. I get so many opportunities and people that I could glean from. Yeah. 
Where did you take classes in New York, Sherry? Uh, I would do back. I didn't live there, but I would always go once a year and take class. And I'd take like a week and I would do backstage yeah. or not backstage. I would do um, probably dance center and steps. Uh-huh. Kind of one would be more, more. I'd like one more and then it would change it up a little bit. I just love the teachers at both though. Yeah. Like LA just felt very snooty to me. Yeah. It was like just to be up front and be seen because who's hiring in New York. I just felt I had, I came back the next day and Dan and the teachers would know my name. Like, how do you do that? You yeah. have transient like, people are always coming right. through here, but mm-hmm. I just felt like there was way more warmth and just, I like old school stuff. That's mm-hmm. yes. You can add a newer flavor, but you don't have to change yeah. what's good. <laughs> right. It was just good, solid that no matter where you're coming in, you, you can, you can yeah. do it, oh, but still get your I butt first- kicked. When I first went to audition for the Rockettes, we spent a week there and my, my mentor took us to classes. She said, this is when you get a job with the Rockettes, this is where you want to train. You want to go over to New Jersey and tra- take tap with Fred Kelly, who was Gene okay. Kelly's brother. And oh. she took us to Luigi, of course, Luigi. Yeah. Yeah. Oh so that's who she exposed us to. But then in the late seventies, I did a show in New York called La Clique and um was which was a theatrical disco troupe i met them in puerto rico and was hired and um because i wanted to go to new york back to new york and i went and did a show with la clique and um studied with interestingly luigi's protege ronnie demarco so i got to study you know a little bit with luigi and then later i took classes regularly with ronnie demarco and jojo smith was big Jojo Smith was really big. And those were fun because they had the drums. You know, they had oh. people playing congas for dance class. It was and and you did your floor work to congas, live congas. That was really fun. I enjoyed that. So that's you, who I got to study with in New York. Did you take classes in Puerto Rico? Yes. Because I'm I'm a few years, I was there in 81. Okay, but there was I some my Rosita and then there's Rosalia. There was just the classes Jose, had so much. Jose um, Betancourt, I took classes with Jose Betancourt. I don't know if I'm still there. Jose, Jose yeah. Betancourt. He was he was bald. Fabulous classes, really amazing classes in Puerto Rico because I had to get back in shape after being off for five years, and married. Um, yeah, and get back into shape to do the show that I auditioned for um with Miller Reich. Yeah. Yeah. I just yeah. remember class in Puerto Rico and the audience like they would just scream. Like we just scream in class. And then if you if you're a girl and you have to be in the guys group, you knew you really got the teacher's <laughs> eye. And people yeah. would just scream. And so I was so used to the energy yeah. and the they'd wipe the because also it wasn't humid, but we were dancing. So I mean the dance everything so was hot full throttle and it was hot and they'd wiped on the mirrors and then I came back to Washington and I screamed in class and everybody looked at me like I'd had some kind of an attack and I went oh we don't do that here because I just got so used (laughs) to that energy of oh just yeah cultural differences that we experienced absolutely absolutely yeah Puerto Rico had its own flavor yeah and it was a fun place to be it was fun it was fun so yeah, where did did you work in the in the the casino showroom at the El San Juan Hotel? I was at the El San Juan El San Juan, and that was yeah. um, Ash uh, Barry Ashton. So Miller Reach, I think, right. put a show in there after he had Condado. So we mm-hmm. had the Palace next to us, which is an ice show, and then the Condado right. had the um, I think it was Joan Pale. I don't think it was Ronnie Lewis. I think it was Joan's choreography. 
So mm-hmm. all the cast, we all were friends with each other. We would always make have parties together and do go watch each other's yeah. show on the day off. And yeah. that was the fun thing. And that too, and that's how I, I saw Ron Lewis choreographer and Joan Palethorff. I'm like, I have to do that. That's, I, mm-hmm. I cannot, not, I have, that's my next goal. And then that, that's where I went to Montreal. Cause that was, um, that was Miller Reach at the time. Wow. So you, that was switched then. Yeah. Yeah. yeah they yeah. thought it was not yeah. producers come and take over another spot. Yeah. So you said you did the Lido in Vegas as well. Where does that fit into your timeline? Well, a lot of things happened in between Paris and going to, to the Lido in Vegas, uh, including being married and living in Atlanta. And then my first husband, there, there are a lot of things that happened in between, but I'll save that for the book. Yeah. He wound up, he wound up, his band wound up playing in Puerto Rico. <laughs> Excuse me. So were we talking about Puerto Rico? Vegas, yeah. yeah. And getting to, moved to Puerto Rico. Yeah. My husband yeah. and I moved to Puerto Rico because his band was booked at the Sheraton. And you, and you weren't dancing at this time. No, I, I, um, actually I had a retail store in Atlanta and I worked in a dinner theater and I made, um, I had a label. I became a, a, a costume designer for rock stars. What? <laughs> okay. I'm so excited for your book to come out. <laughs> Gypsy Peacock was my label. My, my husband would, had become a studio musician in Atlanta. So I had endless people wanting to you know wear incredible stuff and embroidery was big back then and studs and you know bedazzled everything was bedazzled back then and um costume design was one of the things i really really loved to dabble in and um i wound up with the store a retail store and i wound up making costumes for for rock stars and they wrote about me I, i had another 15 minutes there and um <clears throat> yeah yeah so we did that there and then um when he had an opportunity to move to Puerto Rico we took it because he wanted to he wanted to work there <clears throat> and when we got there we lived right next door our our condo was right next door to the El San Juan hotel on the beach oh really that's I, I lived to go see the show and I went to see the show and I I said to him I I I have to have a comeback. I was all of 26. I said I have to have a comeback. I have to dance again. I really yeah. do. So I auditioned for the show. And, and yeah, yeah, I was hired. And um <clears throat> it was a great experience. I really had fun. Really had fun there. Um Barbara came to visit. <clears throat> but at that time Barbara and I were both splitting up with our husbands, oh. our first husbands. Yeah. So we sort of processed that together as friends uh, during that visit. And that was difficult. But, you know, I had my best friend there to talk it out. Um, and then from there, I went to New York. I was hired to do a show called Le Clique, which still exists. And it was a theatrical disco troupe that did <clears throat> shows for private parties in discos so the clique was created and i mean it was really it was really a creative time we did our own costumes we did our own choreography 
it was a troop of about 20 people and we didn't all work the same parties. We would switch off. Sometimes the whole cast would work. <clears throat> and we had we we performed for private parties and discos that people like Andy Warhol would throw. And Liza <laughs> Minnelli and David Bowie and Grace Jones. I mean, it was it was really fun. And these were big celebrity private parties. And we had white limos pick us up and white limos bring us home. We had paparazzi always chasing us around. We were always being written up in the New York Times. Oh my it was gosh. Very, very fun. It was a very fun show to do and really creative. So I really got to know the garment district. I really had fun designing costumes and doing choreography, doing our own choreography. And of course, each, each show was a theme. Each show had a theme. That was a big thing back then. Disco themed yeah. parties um, by celebrities and, and regular rich people. <laughs> so, <laughs> you know, your regular run of the mill rich person. Yeah. So <laughs> it was, it was, it was, I mean, they were at the Waldorf sometimes. Um, it was really, really, really fun. So we did that for, I did that for six months. And then I, I'm one of those people that just needs nature. I need nature. And, and New York closes in on me. I get mm -hmm. to a point where I can only take so much of New York. And usually I was at about a six month limit. So of course I was talking with Barbara and she was now the principal dancer at the Lido and at uh, Ali Lido in Vegas. And she's going, oh, come here, come here. We could be roommates again. Um, she just split up with her first husband. I just split up with mine. We were single again. <clears throat> but I also had an opportunity to go to Reno. Was that for Hello Holly with Hello? Yes. That's the show I was in. And I had an offer to go there. And I don't remember who it was, but somebody was trying to hire me. And I was torn. I didn't know what to do. I thought I would really love the nature of you know, Tahoe, Reno. Uh -huh, I, really yeah. I was really in the mood for that after New York. But then Barbara kept saying, no, Diane, I have a house. You can live here. I have a pool. You know, it'll be great. We'll have fun. You don't want to go to Reno. You'll get bored. Come to <laughs> Vegas. Come to Vegas. And then David Wright offered me a job in Vegas and it was more money than Reno. And it was my best friend. So yeah, and worked at Alelito. Oh, how was that? Yeah. Being back there again. The best. Because you're at the opposite, wait, is it opposite end of the strip? Kind of the opposite end. Kind of. Yeah. Tropicana, I'm trying to think of something that Stardust was yeah. down or up. I don't mind. Stardust was more in the middle. Oh, yeah. Kind of in the middle. You know, the Riviera was across the street. Um, it was really fun because the cast was incredible. I just, such wonderful friendships there friendships that were really forged deeply and yeah. i think it's just because we were in a group of really loving fun people you know it makes or break it like i've been on in really like the cruise ship was a small cast and there was one period of time where everybody hated each other it was awful those yeah. people left and we got a new cast and it was like oh this is night and day like we loved hanging out together but the yeah. first part i almost broke contract because it was such a was, they were fighting, screaming, like trying to do shows. I mean, <laughs> Who wants to happened. do this? Yeah. That and so when you happen. get those dream casts, it's like, well, oh, this is possible to love what you do mm -hmm. and love who you do it with. Yeah. Because that uh, definitely makes when, your six or one year contract. Uh, 
excellent. Yeah. And very. Vegas, was, Vegas had a lot going on. You know, there was a lot of film industry and um, a lot of modeling jobs. The the mall was opening for the first time. The fashion show. Yeah. <clears throat> And we did all of the runway shows for everybody. It was really fun. And um, there was a lot of, there was a lot of work in Vegas. There was a lot of work in, in 79, 80, 81. Yeah. That's when I arrived on the scene. It was just like mm-hmm. that strip. I don't know how many sh- big shows there was because like, a, a trop. Yeah. I think there was like five or six big ones. You, cause mm-hmm. yeah, I remember. Yeah. There's a lot. And then you have the celebrity shows and magic the shows. There was just the stardust, the dunes. Um, it was MGM uh, then, wasn't it? MGM. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. It's yeah. so sad now. It's like seven Cirque shows and barely a showgirl to be seen. <laughs> so for you, what what was it that made you, were you just, did you kind of just mm-hmm. transition more towards acting or make a decision to pursue it full time? Like what was, what I, was that for you to, had, to let I one had, go? Had, I'd had started having some really good success as an actor um, on big feature films and and some TV in Vegas. And I had an opportunity to audition for, actually my agent sent me for an audition for The Young and the Restless. And the casting director hired me. Oh my gosh. So he said, when is your contract up? Because I know you have contracts in Vegas. I said, in July. And I think this was in April. He said, okay, well, when July comes, you move to LA and you're on the show. We can find anything on YouTube. So I could look on YouTube and find you. No? I say, do they have those kind of things anymore? Okay. Well, maybe you could, but no, you, you wouldn't find it because I wound up not working on that show, but that's why I moved there. Oh, really? The day that I moved and it was the beginning of July um, I, I called the casting director and he said, I just got fired. <gasps> oh, he was, just, he was fired. And interestingly, my second husband is an actor and he was hired in San Francisco to come be on the young and the restless. And he moved here a year before me and was on the show. And the same casting director hired me in Vegas to come be on the show. And we didn't meet on the show, but we met on another show that we were both cast in. Two months after I moved here, I was cast on a uh, a series. Um, And we met on that show and worked together and fell in love. So it all happened really fast. Yeah, wow. It was almost like destiny. And I was on my way back to New York. I was on my way. Um, my, my acting teacher, Joseph Bernard actually had some auditions and some people for me to, to connect with in New York. And I was headed to New York when I got that audition for the young and the restless. So everything shifted, everything shifted to LA, which was never my plan. I didn't think I was an LA type. Yeah, not really. I thought I was more of a New York actor. And, um, and then I met my husband who was brought here by the same casting director. So that was very yeah. kismet, very kismet. And um, yeah, we worked together and fell in love. Mm. I know, right? And then I had two children with him and we oh, were that's beautiful. 17 years and yeah, yeah. Mm. Yeah, 
So I stopped. That was my last. I did some choreography. I did uh, some choreography for some small shows in LA when I came out here. But that was really the end of my dancing career. And I was fully into acting at that point. I know was I was it at a... <clears throat> Oh, really? Was it, a, was it a hard Sally letting go where you just were flying in the next direction? And I never wanted to be an old show girl. Yeah, that's a hard. Yeah, when is it? I never wanted. When did you to wait leave. too long to leave? Yeah, and and then you know, for for somebody who's thirty one, I was thirty one when I moved here. That's kind of old for an actor. Yeah. I know it sounds ridiculous because we're so young still. Yeah, but I didn't want to be an old show girl, and I didn't want to waste any more of my youth on dancing because. I didn't want to be an old, I didn't, I wanted the opportunities that my age still afforded me as an actor. Yeah. <clears throat> so when build their resumes up early in, in LA. Yeah. Was it kind and of I like how dance was then? Like once you get in, you get more and more, or I mean, you could get on a roll and then have a big dry spell. How was that for you? As far as now you're a working actor, was it still that hustle, 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 or did you get to work pretty steady? I worked fairly steadily um, and, and managed to do that with just a part-time job in LA. Um, but it wasn't always the hustle. It's oh, yeah. always a hustle because there's so much competition, so much. Yeah. And, um, you know, transitioning into film and, and wanting to do the kind of work that I wanted to do. I never, I can't really say I had the opportunities to become a Meryl Streep. Um, nor do I even begin to think I'm anywhere near that talented, but it's all about the opportunities that you get mm -hmm. to prove what you can do. And I, I got a lot of small jobs and I, I had some pretty consistent work. I worked pretty consistently, <clears throat> but um, once I decided to have a child and that was only a year later, um, at 32, I was determined to keep acting, even while I was, I even did a an, an American Film Institute film when I was nine months pregnant. Oh wow! <laughs> but then you have a baby, and I'm still I'm still a, I'm, at this point I'm a member of the Actor Studio in LA, and studying with Sally, Sally Kirkland and and doing you know um, doing plays at the Actors Studio. My last play was a two-woman show and we got to perform for people like Shelley Winters and you know the 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 staff of the Actors yeah. Studio. <clears throat> and um, I remember coming home from a dress rehearsal. My husband worked three nights a week graveyard. Well, he worked evenings. He worked from like um, like five to 12. Uh, in a computer room, even though he was an actor, he took a nighttime job at El Camino College, and we didn't have babysitters or nannies. So one of my friend's mothers, who was a British nanny, was in my neighborhood. She goes, I'll watch him for because we had a night we just couldn't couldn't take the baby with us. He was five months old, my son. <clears throat> she came to babysit. I did my dress rehearsal. I got home. She wasn't there. And there was no note. And I called my husband and I said, did did Sadie call you? Did she let you know she was leaving? He said, no. So I, I became very concerned. I couldn't find her at her house. No, no one was there. Um, and all of a sudden I was in panic mode. 
um, because I couldn't find my five month old baby. Yeah. And, and had oh. no way. So my husband came home early from work and we were just close to midnight at that point. Cause I think I'd gotten home around 10. <clears throat> we were just on the verge of calling the police when we see this car pull up in front of our apartment and Sadie come out holding the baby. And that was the night I decided that I would make motherhood first. Mm. That would be number one. And I did my play at the actor's studio and I finished it. She said, oh, he got colicky. I took him to my friend's house without a note. Yeah. Oh, I, when so, you were telling that story, I could feel every part of my mommy heart. Like, <laughs> oh, both of us were a wreck. Yeah. So at that point, I decided to take a step away from acting and focus fully on being a mom. And I'm glad. Wonderful, wonderful job. Mm. Because acting's always there. The industry's always yeah, there. Yeah, yeah. Well, there's something, you know, when you're older as a dancer, because I, I went back to teaching dance right after I had both children, and it changed me as a choreographer. I felt more womanly in my body. Like, I think that motherhood helps, and for, because you don't age the same as an actress as you do as a dancer, but I wonder even that depth that you get from being a mother, if that changes your acting Absolutely. Absolutely. I think all of your life experiences do. Yeah. All of your life experiences affect you as an actor. And <clears throat> I remember saying to my husband, I'm going to come back to this later. I'm just going to, I'm going to have, I'm going to start a theater company. And 10 years later, I did exactly that. That's exactly what I did. I started my own theater company. We, we did it together. <clears throat> And we had a, a theater company for seven years. Wow. And we did whatever we wanted to do. We did really? whatever we wanted to do and whatever the community would like. And, you know, we'd moved to a mountain community at that point. And he worked at Warner Brothers and uh, he still dabbled in acting. He was a very good looking actor, looked a lot like Michael Landon. Hmm. And, um, you know, he had, he still had his agent. So he would still go to a few auditions and work here now and then. <clears throat> but um, I did not want to, I did not want to audition anymore. I had no desire to go see some idiot in a leisure suit tell me I could or I couldn't work. I, I was just, no, yeah. I'm going to do it on my terms, my way, when I'm ready, and I'm going to do what I want. And I did. I did look and at your I started teaching. Okay. Cause I said, I looked at your social media of your, of what you have now. And so you, that's your baby. That's what you created. And yeah, that's all you. Yeah. Yeah. While, while we had the community theater, I started teaching. i also taught dance um, in our little mountain community. And um, I, 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 that was 30 years ago. So wow. I've had my school built up to the number one acting school in Hollywood and awarded over and over and over. Really? Yeah. For so who is years. it that comes to you? What is it? What is your, um, everybody, anybody who adults really <clears throat> all of our awards were one Sherry for kids and teens, but we always had adult classes, but we okay. became the number one studio with backstage West children in film. They all voted us number one. Um, Bonnie Wallace still has me as one of the top 10 acting coaches in Hollywood in her new book. She's Dove Cameron's mom. And she's, um, I do her podcasts and she's doing what you were, you want to do. She made a book. She made her most recent book from all of her podcasts with that's the top what my, 10 yeah. 
top 10 wow. teachers in LA. So, you know, with that kind of, um, with that kind of support and those kind of awards, of course, I worked very hard to make that yeah. happen. Very hard. Um, but for the last 10 years, my daughter has taught at the studio with me and she stopped acting just to devote herself to teaching because she loves really? it more. She was an actress, yeah. model and dancer. And uh, she's having her first child in two weeks. Oh, is this your first grandbaby coming in? Second. My son second. has a daughter. Oh my gosh. Wow. There's babies. You got your book being birthed. <laughs> and you got yeah, grandbabies. Yeah. All at once. So it's so interesting to hear your story. Time. Yeah. Thank you. Well, Thank just, you. it's like how many, I'm thinking like my parents' generation, my dad started a business, did that until he retired and there's nothing wrong with it. It's just so interesting. That you've lived like you 12 imagine? lives. Like you've like, yeah. I want to live somewhere else. I can pick, do this. I'm also really good at this. It's just such a, it's such a different story. I think than a lot of, I think, especially generations before, as you do that one job. And for me, that sounds horrible, but I know yeah. if that's all that you knew, that's all you knew. But again, I kind of want to get out of my small town and yeah. the world opened up. So right. as a, I never where's, know, my where's last, your small town? Where are you from? I, I grew up in Washington state in Puyallup, okay. which is small. Went to, you know, my dance studio, my da my teacher was like, you're really tall. And they had been going to Vegas <laughs> for trips and there's showgirls down there. You're the right height and this and that. So I moved down with her daughter with no other idea what to do. I just, I had seen the show Vegas and I had seen Carol Burnett and Sonny and Cheryl. They all had dancers. I'm like, that's what I'm going to do. But it's always amazing that we end up there because I think most of us had just <laughs> enough desire and not much clue, you know, that naivete and, and uh, oh. fortitude at the same time is a really good mix. Yeah. And you don't know not yeah. to, that you don't know that you, you could get rejected at some, you know, just kind of felt like, well, that's a good idea. I'm just going to yeah. pack up everything and go. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And I feel like my life continues to be, I mean, I didn't really become a writer until this year. I know you're at writing to this this year. I mean, it's, it's, it's as if life has been a journey of finding the next creative outlet. Yeah. Yeah. Oh. I was also a knitwear designer in LA. So I designed sweaters for a lot of major companies and had my own line for five years. Oh my gosh. How did yeah. you, okay. I'm looking at you still. I can't believe you're, I still think you're like 50 barely, but you've, you've had all these different life changes. <laughs> so I'm wondering because your book is coming out yeah and this has to be a shorter answer because we have to end because <laughs> we could go on all night what yeah. is what do you think is a through line because those are very different careers but what is it that's you at the core that can change and be a different label or title or something on your resume but it's it's something that's you as a core person that pursues these things I love them all so whatever I you're love. doing is your love that's your love, love when you're love what I'm doing yeah whether wow. it's dance design writing acting teaching directing oh. I love it I do what I love and I taught my kids that just figure out what you love to do and do that wow. and that's where your treasure will be and it's true yeah it's really true well, that's different than if I was doing this and I, then I'd be happier <laughs> But when you're, when you're in it and you're actually to have that joy and appreciation and love it, then yeah. you're not waiting for situations to somehow change for you. You're Diane, this was, yeah, yeah. It's like, what? and I feel like I'm 63 and I thought I'd be slowing down and I'm 
in the middle of my gyrotonic training, oh. putting the book together. I thought, oh, I thought I'm supposed to get a Winnebago at 65 and go on medic, <laughs> you know, on social security. I'm like, I feel more creative. And I don't know. I feel like the, a lot of women I'm talking to in this age bracket are coming alive in a different way. Maybe it's able to really be the real you as a woman, you know, with different opportunities. I think, I think that's really what the 60, your 60s are about. Um, yeah. I'm past that point, but I've, and I am slowing down a little and I am, that's part of why I want to get this book out there now is I want it to be made into a movie or a series. And I want to be young enough to do that, you know, and healthy enough um, and connected enough still. Yeah. In the oh. industry to do that. So when, so, but I this think your sixties are your most creative time. I really, yeah, do. It's, I really, if somebody had told me this before, it would have been hard to believe. And I feel that, like, I feel like you don't, there's yeah. a lot of things that are, you've been untethered from. So your book is going to come out and, and we will post this when it comes out. So when you have a link, Great. I will definitely share it. Okay, and this, you. this, your interview won't come out till January, but if whatever's happening, we will make sure they can find you. Okay. So Great. how is, so we don't know, cause who knows the timeline of when this well, is, but we will be now, on the lookout. Okay. I'll, I'll be pitching. Um, I'll be doing proposals to literary agents and managers now. Yeah. You're at that stage. It's so. so exciting. I'm so excited yeah. for you. That's where I'm at. I have my, all my, all these authors that come out of this and I love, cause nobody's is the same. It's not like, Oh, it's a showgirl no. story. It's all the same. It's like, there are no, nothing except for that. We no. wore heels and beautiful rhinestones. The story is also different. <laughs> I'm really excited others. for you and gorgeous. Yeah. We got the best of the best. Well, um, yeah, I know good things are coming. So I, I just love this conversation. I'm super inspired and you've oh, lived an amazingly yeah. beautiful life and you just seem very gracious and open for more. You haven't just yeah. done, I've done it. Now what else? Bring it on. Bring right. it on. <laughs> oh, well, best well, to thank you. Thank you, Sherry. Yeah, thank, thank you. you. And to you. And I look forward to your book as well. Yes. Yeah. So we yeah. got, we got to get these stories out and told. Yes, that's right. All right. Keep it. Thanks for keeping everything alive. Yes, you too.